You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Looking for the latest on the A's minor leagues? One of the latest additions to A's cast is The Farm. A look around the minor leagues with interviews, updates, and profiles on the future A's tearing up the minors. Welcome to our A's Farm podcast. I'm your host, AthleticsFarm.com Editor-in-Chief Bill Moriarty. And today, we're going to be talking with A's Special Assistant, Grady Fuson. He's known as one of the top talent evaluators in the game. And now that we're about a month into the minor league season, we wanted to check in with Grady and get his take on the development of some of the A's top prospects. Hey, thanks for joining me today, Grady. Nice to be with you, Bill. So this is kind of an unusual time of the year. We were talking here in early June, and normally we'd have the draft happening about now. This would be your typical draft time, but the draft is happening a month later this year in July. It starts on July 11th, and it's kind of unusual. I mean, how does that, how does that sort of change things and the whole schedule of, of activity in this part of the year for people? Well, I think we're really unsure how it really changes. I know, obviously, the scouts... Uh, have a little bit more time to do some research and maybe see some guys after the typical high school and college season. Uh, there, there are some, uh, some, some MLB leagues that some of these players that got done early in college will be continuing to play in for a little bit up to the draft. So if a club chooses to go see them some more elsewhere, you got that. I think from an ownership standpoint, they've been thinking about moving the draft back for years here, trying to make it more around the all-star break, get a more, a little more hoopla out of it on right. TV and, and everything. So the question now becomes, what do we do with them after we take them? You know, we don't have really short season teams anymore, with the exception of the Arizona league. Um, so we're still kind of, Playing it by ear, I'm sure we'll have a lot of conversation up during the draft <laughs> on what to do with these guys once we take them. Yeah, you know, and and the draft this year is only 20 rounds. Uh, last year it was just 10, uh, or I'm sorry, five. Um, um, but before that, it was 40, you know, every year. So it's still this year is just going to be half the size of the previous draft classes. And then it used to be that the draft would be in early June and the Arizona League would start in late June. And you could start funneling a lot of those draft picks right into those Arizona League teams. But, you know, the Arizona League will be starting before the draft this year. So, you know, how is having just 20 rounds going to affect things? And how how are how are those Arizona League rosters going to be built? before the draft are you just going to have a lot of latin american players there that would normally be in the in the dominican league yeah if you go down to our extended camp right now and that will be a continuation into the arizona rookie team i mean it's predominantly international signed players and you know maybe a few players that just didn't break with a team but um, you know that that roster down there is always moving you can still have a large group of players uh, working out and practicing there, not necessarily on the nightly roster, but uh, you can still have a large group of players. So there's going to be a lot of players shuttling in, shuttling off the roster in, in Arizona. Yeah, it And like- some of those guys out of the draft, you know, when you think about 
you know, how your, your four teams that are out there, Vegas, Midland, Lansing, and Stockton, I mean, even though we have bigger rosters at each spot, there's guys, people that get hurt, people that underperform. Uh, you know, like last night in AAA, we, we got crushed with injuries. Uh, you know, so there's movement. And, and some of these high-drafted players, you know, once we get them back in shape, depending on how long they've been out, they can slide out to a team and, you know, mid, late July or early August and, and get some and get some work in. Yeah, it, it certainly seems with the new minor league configuration, there's a, a lot of opportunities for guys to, to move up quickly these days. But I, as, as you mentioned, I did notice Parker Dunshi and Mikey White both ended up uh, landing on the uh, injured list for uh, Las Vegas uh, after last night. But I wanted to ask you about a few, start out by asking about a few guys, a few pitchers who've sort of been in the system for a while and have risen to the to the top lately. And I, I wanted to start out by James Caprillion because he's such an interesting story. You know, he didn't pitch for two and a half years. You had to wonder if he was ever going to pitch again. And here this mm-hmm. year, he finally makes it to the major leagues. He's pitching for the A's and, you know, and looking really, really confident and in, in, in command. Can you talk a little bit about just, how it feels to see James Caprillion making it to the major leagues after everything he's been through. Yeah, it has, it has been a great story. And you go back to that sunny gray trade and how much he meant to that trade. And, uh, you know, most guys we acquired in that thing have either underperformed or moved on elsewhere. Uh, but cap worked so hard. He was determined. Um, even though there were some dark days there with, you know, the issues that he had, he was so determined, he was diligent and it's just, uh, I think it's a pleasure for everybody to see this guy get up there. And, you know, last year he got a taste of it and it was okay. And this year he's actually gone up there and thrown very, very well. So I think everybody's pleased for him. Right. And especially we, we know his dad is definitely pleased for him. We're all well aware of that. So. Yeah. He, he kind of. <laughs> He kind of steals the show when you see him on TV, doesn't he? <laughs> exactly. He's become the star of the show. So uh, interesting. Also, another guy who's who's back with the A's again now is Jesus Lazardo. And I think, you know, a lot of people had a lot of hopes for him going into this season that maybe this would be the big year, the, the breakout year where he really established himself. And, of course, he had the injury. He's, you know, been somewhat inconsistent. Um, can you talk a little bit about where Jesus Lazardo's at and maybe, you know, what – why he hasn't quite achieved that full potential just yet? Well, right now we're going to use him back out of the bullpen. I think the the idea with the big club is uh, to stay with Irwin in that slot for now. Jesus has that had that dominant performance out of the bullpen a few nights back, so I think that's that's where they're going to stick with for now. I mean, he's got starter esque skills, and I mean, obviously. At some point, you probably want him back in that rotation. But, you know, he wasn't very effective early in the season, I think. Uh, there's some overthrow. There's a lack of trusting his fastball. Uh, we all know he's got dominant stuff. You know, he throws hard, upper 90s. Uh, he's got a good breaking ball. He started relying on his changeup a little bit more than his fastball. And I think, you know, he just got himself in a position where he wasn't locating that fastball enough. And... You know, pitching in in hitters counts or deeper count, and those things add up over an inning or two. And so, uh, you know, it's too bad he got injured because he lost some time. Hopefully he could have worked through it at that point, but now we're kind of restarting a little bit. And, And currently he sits in the pen. 
Well, you know, another interesting guy who's been in the system a while as well, who who has had the chance to make his major de- league debut, is Dalton Jeffries. And then he had another injury to start the season, but he's been back throwing very well at Las Vegas. He's had a few outings there where he's looked very good, going four or five innings uh, out each time. Uh, where do you think Dalton Jeffries is at at this stage of the game? Well, Dalton had another good one today. They, uh, Las Vegas had a day game. He picked six strong, no walks, six punch outs. You know, he's in the same place he was in early spring training where he was a uh, starter that we were counting on, whether it would be uh, to break with the team early or, you know, go down and get five, six quality starts and be ready to go. Uh, but once again, you know, the health bug hit him. You know, he went down in camp and he's had some minor setbacks, but the last, I think it's two outings, he's been injury-free, pain-free feeling good so you know we get him worked back up again and you know just cross your fingers this young man can stay healthy he just seems to have a setback right when it's time to step up and uh, you know that's the only thing we're just trying to avoid just keep him healthy and if you keep him healthy and pain-free he should be a compliment to our rotation at some point yeah, that seems to be the trick with a lot of them, <laughs> just keeping them healthy. Another guy there at Vegas who who was a former first-round draft pick that I think a lot of us had big hopes for this season as well is Grant Holmes. And unfortunately, he's really struggled pretty much every time out this season. And I know people were talking, speaking well of him at the alt side and in spring, saying he developed a, his curveball was looking better. He had a new grip on it. And, you know, so I, I certainly know I had high hopes for him this year. And he, he's really struggled most every time out this season. What do you think is going on with Grant Holmes at this point? He's, he's had a rough go. He wasn't overly sharp in camp. Uh, things haven't changed as far as the stuff. Um, he's just having a hard time locating fastballs and working ahead in the counts, and there's walks in there. There's, You know, the one thing about Grant, we've always had a little bit of an issue where I guess us as evaluators, coaches, instructors, we we watch him, and we kind of think he's easy to see. He's got a long arm. He's got an easy path to read. Uh, and we always wondered, even going back to A-ball and double-A, you know, this guy's stuff is so good. How does he – why does he get hit so often? Right. So, you know, that, that's, that's just been a mystery, uh, but certainly did not expect, uh, uh, you know, the results that have been coming out this year that they just really haven't been good. So, Hey, we got a long way to go. Uh, we work through it, see what we got when we get to the middle part of the year and, you know, everybody's going to have a, a piece of trying to figure out what's, what's missing here, but. It's, you know, been disappointing, and I'm sure for him as well. Yeah, definitely seem to be some command and, and control issues there. And like you said, I've heard other people mention that maybe maybe he's just not deceptive enough as well. That You know, it's just a little too easy to get a, get a read on him. But we'll see how things pan out in his upcoming starts. And then the final pitcher at Vegas I wanted to ask you about is A.J. Puck, who, again, coming back from – yet another injury, and he's been working out of the bullpen there. He's been kind of inconsistent. He's had some good outings, some shaky outings. Uh, where, where do you think things are at with A.J. Puck at this stage of the game? Uh, similar to Dalton Jeffries. We're just we're hoping for health. You know, A.J.'s been having setbacks as he's gone along. He's, he's uh, you know, just not feeling right and – uh, things aren't coming out of his hand as well. 
you know, the velocity, which used to be, you know, 95 to 98 is now kind of a 91 to 94. You know, you might get a five in there every once in a while. He threw good today, and it looked like health-wise he came out of it feeling okay. But, again, it's, uh, you know, you're talking about two pitchers between Jeffries and Puck that have really had injuries uh, since the day we drafted them. Right. You know, and those things come and go, and we're just, you know, you're just hoping to get healthy seasons out of them at some point, and where you get to the point where you've got some trust. So, you know, you just keep letting them tow it up and see where we go. Yeah, well, let's hope they can definitely stay healthy if they can. Their, their chances for success are going to be much greater, that's for sure. A couple of the best stories on the offensive side of the game at, at Las Vegas this year, I think, are a couple of outfielders, Luis Barrera and Greg Dykeman. Now, everyone, it seems, has always spoken well of Barrera at, at the alt side in spring training. Everyone seemed to be very impressed with him. But Dykeman, you know, he had some issues to work out, and he seems like a whole different hitter this this season. He never used to take many walks at all. I think this year he's almost walked as much as he did in the previous season, entire season that he played. He, he's been showing a lot more discipline at the plate. He's been getting on base. And so can you talk a little bit about Louis Barrera and, and the, and the uh, improvements that you've seen out of Dykeman thus far this year? Yeah, but Louis, you know, he's more of a slash style hitter and he's always been able to touch the baseball and move it all over the field. Um, you know, he's, he still needs to be a little bit more disciplined. He likes to swing early and swing off. And that's a little bit of his style because he runs so well. Uh, you know, he got a, he got a couple of days in the big leagues and I'm sure he was excited about that. And, you know, now he's back in triple A, sitting in the wings and, uh, you know, I think he feels now a little bit more confident that when there's a need in the big leagues that it, he'll be on the, uh, on the call list. As far as Greg Dykeman, I mean, we did spend some time in spring training trying to um, um, outline a little bit better his own strike zone. After, you know, a thousand at-bats in the minor leagues, you get a pretty good idea in our analytics and all our uh, video that we have about where he hits the baseball, what pitch, where does he like it, and where is no good for him. And, you know, we, we realize that, listen, a lot of this bad, a lot of the bad swings and the rollovers and the swing and miss and the shanks are coming from balls down and in. And so that's something that, you know, we talked about in spring training about getting to a point now that you're in AAA, you've got to have the ability to start saying no in that part of the strike zone, whether it's a breaking ball, whether it's a fastball, you know, the, the makeup of your swing is just not indicative of squaring that baseball up. So, um, you know, there was a little work involved, but also, you know, he's, he's having, he's been healthy. Uh, he had a full year last year with the alt site and instruction league and spring training. So, uh, you know, maybe there's been a big turnaround here and, uh, becoming more of a hitter and just not trying to rely on some power being more of a professional hitter and, you know, getting on base more and keeping my average up and using the field better. 
Yeah, well, he's, he certainly seems to have taken this advice to heart. I know, I think his minor league career average had been in the 230s before this year, and I, I think he's hitting in the 290s right now, and like I said, taking a lot more walks. So he certainly looked a, a lot more selective this year, which can only help matters. Now, m- moving down a notch to, to AA Midland, kind of the interesting story there, I think, was that you guys had decided to put to put a bunch of, of talented middle infielders there, not just Nick Allen, but also Logan Davidson and Jeremy Ironman and all these guys who'd previously been fairly high draft picks. They started the year there at Midland. And and particularly Nick Allen, it was nice to see him get off to a good start at the at the plate. We know what he can do in the field, but I think he had a number of multi hit games in a row there. He was hitting about two seventy five, I think, before he went off to start playing for the US Olympic team. But uh, can you talk a little bit about what you've seen out of uh, uh, Nick Allen and the improvements maybe he's made at the plate this year? Yeah, well, if you go back to the beginning of the season, as good a camp as Nick he had, he had a rough start in Midland and then just went gangbusters for a week and a half and <laughs> got his batting average up into the mid-threes and was getting on base and kind of settled in around that 280 area and and uh, doing things right. You know, now that we got him back, we'll see how that goes. He's you know, the biggest thing with Nicky is, is just keeping the ball out of the air. You know, that's been his deal from day one, you know, is too many fly balls and a, and a fly ball from Nick Allen is basically an out. This guy's not going to hit many balls out of the ball for, for a few more years. And so, you know, he's got to train on low line drives and, and use the whole field, which he can do. Um, so, you know, you know about the defense, so there's nothing to be <laughs> said there. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if he if he could hit 250, hey, he's going to be a valuable player, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. that, that that would be great. He hit 250. Now you're contending for a batting title. <laughs> that, that's nobody, right. Nobody hit. <laughs> the other guy there was your top draft pick just a couple of years ago, Logan Davidson. Uh, he got off to a rough start there. That was definitely an aggressive promotion. I mean, he'd only played, you know, a couple months at, at short season Vermont. That was the extent of his entire pro career. And then he goes to start at double A Midland, which is, you know, not an easy hitting environment in, in general. And he got off to a rough start there. It seems like he's been turning things around lately and is starting to hit a little better. But where do you think uh, Logan Davidson's at at this point? Well, it was a tough call when we broke camp. We had had these conversations <clears throat> most of camp about what to do with these three guys. And uh, even though, you know, Jeremy Ironman did not kill it in Stockton, so even that push itself right. was a little aggressive. But the bottom line is all three of them had been to the alt site, had been to instruction leg. Uh, excuse me, Jeremy wasn't at the alt site, but Nick and Logan were. Uh, they performed well enough. Their approaches everything they did in instructional league were, uh, you know, much improved from the 19th season. Uh, but you're right. Logan was probably the most aggressive jump because, you know, let's face it, his first year out, he hit 220 or whatever it was in, in Vermont. That's not stellar. <laughs> and he's, you know, he never, he never got a chance to see Beloit or Stockton and you shove him right into double A. So, you know, we thought he was a little bit better prepared where he wouldn't have the kind of month he had in May. Uh, hopefully June becomes better. He looks like he's starting to square some balls up a little bit. Uh, you know, so hopefully he's less of a concern. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he can keep this uh, recent uh, recent improvement going, keep the trend going upward. Now, uh, going down another notch to, to high A, the A's new high A affiliate is in Lansing this year, and it seems like that's been the destination for a lot of your recent uh, college uh, draft picks. Uh, certainly your second pick last year, uh, Jeff Criswell, the pitcher, started there. Unfortunately, after just his first outing, he ended up landing on the uh, on the injured list. But your your fifth pick from last year, Stevie Emanuels, he's been pitching there in the rotation. And then your third pick from last year, um, outfielder Michael Goldberg, has been uh, playing in the outfield there. Seems like he's been hitting very well. I know Jamel Spearman, the area scout who signed him, was very, very high on his hitting abilities, and he seems to be performing well on that aspect. And he's even been putting a few out of the park, and everybody said he was just a contact guy and didn't have any power. But I think he's already hit as many home runs at Lansing as he did in his entire college career. So can you talk a little bit about Michael Goldberg and some of those college guys from last year's draft that are, that are there at Lansing this year? Yeah, well, well, as you as you mentioned, Criswell, he's got big stuff. He's got a rough delivery, so him getting hurt is not a complete shocker to me. But uh, you know, we need to find a way to get him back going. Emmanuel's has been good. He's got a little injury tweak going on right now. He's a 93 mile an hour solid breaking ball guy. Throws it over really well. And, and Goldberg's got a chance to be an exciting player. He's not a big physical man. Uh, but he's got a lot of life in his body, a lot of life in his hands. Um, he, he's, 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 he's a plus runner. Uh, he did not play a lot of center in college and we're playing him a lot more in center here in the pro game because of his skill set. Um, he's another guy that since instructional league, every time you start to get excited about this guy, something goes wrong from a, injury standpoint as well. So he's had a couple of quad or hammy issues since he started playing, and we just got to make sure that he becomes a healthy player as well. Yeah, he certainly has looked good when he's on the field, that's for sure. The other uh, really exciting player there at Lansing this year is the 20-year-old uh, Colombian third baseman Jordan Diaz. Uh, I think he's still leading the team in home runs, still a very young hitter, had you know played at Vermont. That was the highest he'd played before, and he's gotten off to a very good start there at Lansing this year. Yeah, you know, and Jordan's always been hitterish. There's no doubt about it. He's He's got a good swing. He's got good hands. He's got a little thump in there. You know, it's no different than any other young player learning how to control the strike zone. Uh, but eventually, we're going to have to figure out what to do with Jordan defensively. Um, he's a little bit like Renato Nunez was. I where, was just thinking of that name. <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that that's my comparison to him already. It has been. He's just a little bit slow-footed, and, you know, he's always working on trying to become a more accurate thrower. Uh, so much of that is footwork. You know, your throwing accuracy is so governed to how good your feet move. And so every once in a while, you're going to see Jordan probably play a different position as we go forward here in Lansing. Well, the other interesting uh, guy there at Lansing is uh, your former first-round draft pick, Austin Beck. You know, he was at Stockton last year, which which was high A last year, and so he's at high A Lansing this year, basically repeating that level. Uh, and he had just gotten going, and unfortunately, he's landed back on the injured list. But, you know, it was interesting to see him starting back there at high A. Obviously, he hasn't developed as quickly as folks would like. What do you think? Where do you think we're at with Austin Beck at this point? 
oh, we're about in the same spot. You know, he did not, he came to camp light. I was questioning about how'd you lose, you know, 12 pounds over COVID. Um, you know, so he's trying to work and put me, he swore to me, he was in the weight room every day. He's just not as physical as he once was. The skill set's the same. Um, but, you know, he was, when he's not hurt, he's been showing signs of improvement and playing better. But he's another one that, you know, you turn around and he's, you know, he's on the shelf. So, uh, you know, we, we, we need to get him healthy. We need to get him on the field. We need to get three, four hundred at bats out of him and see where we're at. Yeah, it's hard to make much improvement when you're not out there playing every day. <laughs> so, yeah, it's very, very tough. Yeah, the, the other guy that, of course, we always think of when we think of Austin Beck is also Lazaro Armenteras. And, and he was repeating this year at Stockton, but since Stockton was high last year and low A this year, it was actually sort of a step backwards for him. Fortunately, he got off to a great start at, at Stockton, was really hitting like crazy there, and he recently was promoted to Lansing. But uh, where do you feel things are at with uh, Lazaro at this stage of the game? Well, I think it was good for him to go back, uh, you know, and just kind of regroup. We didn't, you know, he, he, he was in Stockton uh, two years ago and struck out 200 plus times and we didn't want that to continue. Uh, so moving him back a level, let him regroup. And he did. His, his attitude was better. Uh, you know, he didn't pout. He didn't mope. He played hard. Uh, he swung it. He put the ball in play. You know, he's, he's so physical and so strong that, uh, he just overmatched the baseball at times. What I'm trying to say is all those hits he was getting, he was hitting 400 when we moved him up. I mean, right. they weren't really backspinned or, or used to the opposite field correctly, but they were just, they were just man, manhandled through <laughs> the six hole and up the middle. I mean, when he hit it, he was really driving it. His exit velos uh, were off the charts, but we still got to find a way to create better trajectory off his bat where he's driving the ball to right and he's got a little lift to the pull side so that we can kind of get these numbers going right. So, uh, you know, he's, he's back where he was, he's in a high A ball and, and he's going to have a chance to play pretty much every day. So, uh, we'll see where it goes. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Like I said, he started at Stockton and it seems like, you know, that's now the, the, the point of entry for a lot of your top Latin American uh, prospects. Of course, you've got uh, the shortstop Robert Poisson there, uh, outfielders Brian Buelvis and uh, Junior Perez, and, and a whole bunch of, of Latin American players there. It seems like that's going to be the, the, the first stop for a lot of those guys entering entering professional ball in, in the U.S. Well, we'll see. You know, there was a lot of talk. Is this going to be beneficial for the players? Is this going to be a hindrance to the players? But when you talk about Passan and, and Buelvis and even Junior Perez, we got in the trade. I mean, you know, their, their talent is just so far above what's in Arizona that, you know, we had to take the chance. And we all knew as instructors that, hey, let's just gang up. Let's keep going in there back to back to back. Let's try to grind through this the first part of the season, stay on top of them. Uh, you know, Rico Bronia, first year manager, <clears throat> who seems like a very fundamental type guy. Um, so between the Rovers coming in and myself, Spraggy and, and Rico and his staff just doing fundamental days over and over, 
hopefully these guys grow up a little bit and, and catch up to the game. And uh, like Passan, you know, Passan was really, really struggling when I was going in there. And and uh, we, we just camped out on him the whole time I was there for nine days and stayed on him. And things got a little better. But again, uh, you know, those things move at slow rates of speed sometimes. But overall, you know, we had a lot of international money uh, there and we wanted to spend a lot of time as as coaches trying to get it right <laughs> trying to make that investment pay off huh? <laughs> yeah you know like you said I mean Poisson got off to such a slow start he had one hit over his first you know many many games and then recently you know the last week or two he's really turned it around he's had a lot of multiple hit games I think he had three hits in one game and he looked like completely overmatched early on he was striking out more than more than half as that bad so it seems like what, whatever you guys uh, said to him must have must have paid some dividends off anyway <laughs> well they're, they're, that club is going to end up with a lot of swing and miss it just it just is they're young they're free swingers uh, we spent a lot of time talking about how to control the strike zone why it's so important and little by little they're going to figure some things out and you know, guys are going to get better. You know, Butler's getting better at it. Buelvis is getting better at it. Um, so little by little, hopefully, you know, by the second half, these guys have a little bit more, you know, awareness for how the game's played, uh, you know, what bases to throw to, what bases not to throw to, when and where, all the little nuances that come with, you know, having to be out there in a competitive world every single day. Yeah, as as you mentioned, there certainly are a, a, already a lot of really big strikeout numbers there at Stockton. I I was just looking. I think uh, uh, Junior Perez had already has 50 strikeouts in his first hundred at bats there this year. So uh, yeah, there's, there's going to be a few. <laughs> Hopefully, the learning curve is moving in the right direction. Anyway. <laughs> but when we talk about Stockton, of course, the, the biggest story there this year has to be your your first round pick from last year, catcher Tyler Soderstrom from Turlock, a local boy playing there in Stockton. And, it you know, he's just 19 years old. And, you know, you could have looked at this and said, well, that's already pretty aggressive, taking him straight out of high school and putting him there, what what used to be the Cal, Cal League. And uh, but he, you know, he's come out of the box looking like a professional hitter and he's got a, a whole bunch of doubles. I know just recently he was leading that league in extra base hits already. He was hitting around 300. So can you talk a little bit about what you've seen out of uh, Tyler Soderstrom here in the early going? Well, t- Tyler's a very advanced teenage hitter. I mean, I, I'm not saying he's them, but I put him in the mold of a young Eric Chavez, Ben Grieve. Uh, when we took those guys, he's got now high school strength. So it's not like you're waiting for the body to get more physical. Uh, he's strong. He's a durable kid. Um, he's, he's got a great swing. He's got power. He, he gets a little too anxious and wants to swing, you know, like he thinks he can hit everything throwing up there. So he's learning that part of the game, but uh, this guy's got a chance to be a very accomplished hitter with thunder when it's all said and done on the catching side. He's throwing well. Uh, he's really taken to instruction. He wants to be a catcher. He's working at it. You know, there's still some miscues here and there, and he probably loses focus during the game at times, like any young player does, but um, he's positioning himself better and he's, 
he's he's catching better than he did a year ago. So, uh, you know, Tyler's got a chance to be a very, very much so of an impact player at some stage here in the next few years. Yeah, he certainly seems primed to to move quickly anyway with the the start he's gotten off to this year. So uh so now that we're uh, here in in June and like like I mentioned earlier at the beginning of the conversation the the calendar has changed on us a little bit from past years with with the draft being in July and also I know you were recently in Stockton along with a lot of other instructors, but what's next on the agenda for you? Well, keeping my eye on these Stockton boys that I just spent nine days with. So, uh, you know, we got some teenagers there. You know, you look at Pisani's, uh, Dan Feinstein remind me he is the youngest player out playing professional baseball right now. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you got to think about those things, but I just got home. I'm going to take a little breather for a couple of days and head over to Lansing on Monday. Uh, for six games, and then from there I go into Midland for a big series, and uh, then after that into the draft. So well, that's my next month. It's always uh, always interesting to see how these guys develop over the course of the year. Like I said, keeping them healthy is is job number one, and then <laughs> once you get them out on the field, you never know how well they're going to take to all the instruction that they've they've been given. But it seems like a lot of these a lot of these hitters have been making some some significant progress this year, which is always good to see. And of course, it's always great to talk to you and get your perspective on things. So thanks so much for taking the time out to talk with us today, Grady. Okay, Bill, I appreciate any time. And thanks to all of you out there for listening to this edition of our A's Farm podcast. Be sure to check back in for the next episode. And don't forget that you can always find updates on the A's top prospects and all the daily action in the A's minor league system on our A's Farm website at athleticsfarm.com. That's athleticsfarm.com. Thanks again. I'm A's Farm Editor-in-Chief Bill Moriarty, and we'll see you again down on the farm. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 